Okay, as we continue our study in the Catechism, uh, in your Trinity hymnals, if you turn toward the back, you're looking for question 87. If you remember, we've skipped ahead very briefly, and then we'll return back to the 30s. Um, I don't know my hymnal in front of me. If someone has the page number for question, page 875, for question 87. And good, the kids know the drill. There's some note sheets over there for the kids that uh, Miss Katie Foy makes for us. We're thankful for that. Um, and as you're finding that, I do have uh, outlined note sheets for the adults as well, if anyone would. Maybe I'll leave those with Dennis, if you wouldn't mind uh, seeing if anyone needs one of those as we, as we fall over some things here. But let's read the question first, and then, and then we could feel free to spread those out as we... Uh, so I'll read the question, and join me in the answer. What is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. And the passage, there's many passages we'll look at, but Mark 1.15 will serve as sort of our key text today. Uh, Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, says in Mark 1.15, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. God, would you bless and add your understanding as we uh, speak of this uh, wonderful uh, doctrine of repentance that your word speaks of. I pray that uh, you would uh, teach us. Uh, and and make us those that walk away tonight uh, for the rest of our Christian life as those who repent daily, uh, turning to Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You could see as as we continue in this section of the Catechism, uh, what we uh, now call the, the order of salvation or the ordo salutis, um, what does it look like for the once-for-all finished work of Christ to, to intersect with the life of one who becomes a believer? And you could see the roadmap that we've uh, been following as we move through the catechism. Uh, We looked at effectual calling, uh, that the gospel goes out, but that the Spirit opens the eyes of those who would would hear it. Regeneration, um, so that they would even see and hear the call and and, and desire to uh, rest upon Christ alone. Conversion is what we've been looking at last week and this week. Uh, Sort of two sides of one coin. Last week we looked at faith. In Jesus Christ, and I'll remind you in a sec, uh, just a summary of that. Today is repentance. Uh, you saw in Mark one fifteen, they're together. Uh, repent and believe in the gospel. And then we'll be moving in, in the weeks ahead. Next week, we'll have our Reformation Day celebration. So uh, we'll look at the five solas sort of together next week. And then uh, starting in November, Lord willing, we'll look at justification, sanctification, all the way to glorification and union with Christ. So uh, this is a, a beautiful section of the Catechism and, and, and good for us to, to, to deep dive into. Um, so as we think about uh, repentance then, uh, let me remind you of the other side of the coin. Uh, we said that faith and repentance go together. Uh, you can't separate them. Um, you'll remember question 86 said, what is faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he has offered to us in the gospel. And so we talked about the idea that we, we, we truly believe we've been regenerated. He's called us effectually. 
Um, and so now we have been made able to receive and rest upon Christ, not to earn salvation. It's not a work, but we simply receive all that he has for us. And so to relate the two together, if faith is a turning to Christ, then repentance is a turning away from sin, uh, forsaking all idols, uh, forsaking all rival uh, gospels, r- rival Christs, and turning to Christ alone. First uh, Thessalonians 1.9 is uh, on your note sheet there. And uh, Paul is speaking, he says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Do you see that uh, repentance meaning a, a, a 180 turn? You know, you're heading in this direction, and you turn and head in the other direction. Um, and so all of us were like those Gentiles. We had idols and, 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 and things that we followed that, that, that we thought were ultimate. But in conversion, he changes our hearts. We turn away from those and to him. You've probably um, come across this example, or maybe you've seen a video or, or, or know of, of this, that uh, if you have a, a monkey and they have their hand in a jar and they're grasping something um, and they see something else they want, what happens? Yeah, sometimes they won't let go. <laughs> so they say, I want this other thing, but I'm hanging on to this. And so because their fist is like this, it can't get out of the jar. Um And that's why faith and repentance go together. It's a letting go of the idol, coming out of the jar, and then a reaching, receiving Christ. Uh, There's no such thing as receiving Christ while the hand is still stuck in the jar. (laughs) Does that make sense? Uh, We can't hang on to our idols and receive Christ at the same time, at least not in an ultimate sense. We do sin, and we we confess that. So repentance, then, we're going to look at it very briefly in in two senses, sort of a a once-for-all sense. So Point number one there, repentance in conversion. And that's really what the catechism question has in mind. We're thinking of the order of salvation. And so we're first looking like repentance with a capital R. Like we we repent and believe in the gospel, and now we're believers, right? And then we'll look at repentance in the Christian life and see that uh, it's really a life of repentance as well. Uh, So first, uh, repentance in conversion. Um, You'll remember that... um, uh, that conversion speaks of that gracious act of God that brings someone from a, an estate of sin and misery into an estate of salvation. We've already seen that regeneration opens our eyes and our hearts so that we could see and receive Christ by faith, even as we repent and turn away from our sin. Um, uh, both um, uh, Louis Burkhoff and, and John Murray, as they speak about this idea of repentance, uh, they they have this idea that it's it, it, it's the time when the believer starts to become conscious of all that God has been doing in salvation. Uh, John Murray, I have that quote there, I think, for you. Regeneration becomes vocal in our minds through faith and repentance. In other words, we might not have been aware, and we maybe we couldn't articulate that he had changed our heart, Um or that we had heard the call in such a way that it was effectual and, and, and we longed for it. Uh, but when we have faith, when we repent, turn away from sin, turn toward Christ and receive him, it, it's, it's, it's entering our sort of conscious awareness of, wow, that amazing grace. Uh, he, is, he has saved me by his grace, and I'm becoming aware of it. And the catechism question sort of puts this in, um, 
and in, in a very helpful category, we're going to see repentance of the mind. That's point one. And then as you go, just so you know the roadmap, um, uh, then repentance of um, the heart and then repentance of the will. All of these involved when we repent. So repentance of the mind. And that's that first part of the catechism question. Uh, repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner out of a true sense of his sin an apprehension of the mercy of God uh, in Christ. Again, it's called a saving grace. You're going to see that over and over again in, in this order of salvation, uh, that it's a saving grace of God. Uh, we, we repent. That, that's something that we're made able to do, but it's a saving grace. Uh, he's the one who enables it. Um, Acts 11.18 puts it this way, that uh, God has... To the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Uh, So that even repentance itself is a gift uh, from God. And so when this repentance starts to take place, the catechism says uh, we we have a true sense of our sin, a true sense of his sin or our sin. And and of course, we we see this, you know, in Acts 2.37, Peter says, you know, you crucified Christ those that were eyewitnesses that had seen this. And it's Acts 2.37 says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What was Peter's answer? What shall they do? Repent uh, and be baptized, which is a way of summarizing, right? Believe, repent, uh, uh, be made a disciple. And 3,000 are added to their number that day. So we think this is true faith. They really were cut to the heart by the Spirit. They were aware of their sin. They became aware of it. Maybe before they heard Peter preaching, they didn't think much of it. But when they heard the preaching of the gospel, they, they realized, wow, I am a sinner before God. What shall I do? They had a sense of Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. Um, and, and, and so part of this, when we think of the mind, um, having a true sense of his sin, but it doesn't end there. It's a true sense of sin, but what else is it an awareness of? So our sin, the mercy of, God. The mercy of nice, right? <laughs> in Sunday school, usually the answer is Jesus, but in catechism class, you could just read the catechism. Um, yeah, of the mercy of God. So we're aware of our sin, but at the very same time, we're aware of the mercy of God. Um, that's why Romans 6.23, we only read part of it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or, or Luke 18.13, we saw the prayer of the tax collector who, who stands far off. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. He's aware of his sin, but what does he pray? He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? He doesn't leave the temple and say, I, that's the end of the story for me. I'm aware of my sin. I have nowhere to go from here. No, he throws himself on the mercy of God. Uh, And and that's where we sing uh, verse 2 of Beneath the Cross of Jesus, uh, where it says, uh, right there at the cross, two wonders I confess, the wonders of redeeming love and my unworthiness. Or or like we sing in Amazing Grace. I mean, these great hymns of the faith. um, And in fact, uh, John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, put it this way. Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. You might know this quote. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. And really, as we'll see, this 
in many ways, is the Christian life, that every day we become more and more aware of our sin and the, and the indwellingness and in our mind and our heart. But at the very same time, we become aware of his great mercy, uh, both in forgiving that sin and in, um, over time, sanctifying us and, and changing our hearts. And so that's the mind. Uh, next, we go to repentance of the heart. And so next in the catechism, it says, doth, which is a great word. We should bring it back. A doth with grief and hatred of his sin. Um, oh, I repeated it twice there. That's great. So we have a true sense of our sin, but it, it, that's not enough. We, we have a true hatred of sin. Um, the, our whole being is involved in this repentance. We see the sin and we see his mercy and we hate the sin because he's regenerated our hearts. We love God now, and so we, we say, wait a minute, this sin doesn't make sense to me anymore uh, because it, it, it doesn't glorify God, whom I love. Um, it, and this is where we, you know, we've seen that even non-Christians can have a sense of guilt, can have a sense of the weight of sin, can have some awareness. And in fact, I think no one can get away from some awareness that they stand in judgment before a holy God. People try to run from it. Um, and yet, uh, we know that not everyone who has that awareness of their sin necessarily comes and repents and believes in Jesus Christ. Uh, we know that there's a repentance that leads to salvation, and there's a godly grief that leads to death. We, we looked a few weeks ago at, at Judas and Peter, uh, that Judas had some sense. He, he regretted betraying Jesus, and yet... He had a worldly grief that ultimately led to his death, whereas Peter uh, weeped bitter tears. Uh, He was aware of his sin in a very real way with the work of the Spirit and came to repentance. Uh, Psalm 51 is sort of just a beautiful, not only example of what it means to confess our sins, uh, but sort of a fuller picture of of this repentance that, uh, that we're talking about. Right, Psalm 51 sort of stands in contrast to uh, what we're used to hearing, sort of the, the halfway confession or um, uh, the, the, the I'm sorry that I yelled at you, but... Yeah. <laughs> wow, that came right off. <laughs> yeah, right? It, it, it's that sense that um, I, I have a friend uh, who uh, is, is in a Christian tradition that practices more private confession with a priest, which we don't practice. Um, but it was interesting, as I was, as I was talking to him, he said, it's so interesting, it, and he will actually then confess to a, a, another priest who's sort of higher up than him, and, and there's some good accountability there. But he said, even for him, when you sit down to confess your sins, it's really hard to just use I statements. <laughs> I did this. I'm confessing it. I was wrong. I need Christ's forgiveness. It, we always want to veer into, but... <laughs> You know, I was tired, or but this was happening. He he told the story of of, of a time that a, a a married man came in and confessed and confessed, and and finally he stopped him and said, "Thank you for that summary of your spouse's sin. Uh, when she's ready, I'm ready. She can come in, and, and we could do confession. But can we get to your confession? <laughs> and it, it, it's just human nature, right? That it, but but look at Psalm 51, um, or or here now, you know, verse one: Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. 
And then verse 3, for I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Right? At a certain point, David was hiding, right? He, he wasn't confessing his sin. Now, it, he, it's right in front of me. I'm not hiding from it. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Right? This involves here the mind and the heart that he's aware. No, if, if you would judge me for the sin, you would be just. <laughs> That's what my sin deserves. Uh, but then hear the heart of verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Uh, right? he, he knows he's displeased God. It's not just that he's broken a rule and feels bad or there's a consequence. No, this is his God, his shepherd, his Lord. And he says, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's a repentance of the heart all the way down to the core of our being. And thirdly, it's a repentance of the will. And that's where the catechism question says, that we, we see our sin, we're, that we hate our sin, we turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. A new obedience. Uh, that's where it's, it, it's the godly grief that produces repentance. It, it's not just a grief over the consequence or... You know, no one likes the feeling of being in trouble. It's, I have displeased my Lord and God. The very thing that I don't want to (laughs) do. And it leads us to repentance. And drives us to repentance. And and, and this is is an act of our will. We turn from it unto God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, and this leads to the to the last section here, right? R- repentance in the Christian life. Because it says, with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Uh, we've been spending Sunday school this uh, month emphasizing that it's, uh, salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone, grace alone. And, and, and we rightly emphasize that. And from that foundation, then, good works flow. Um, the language of fruit, right, is used often in Scripture. Uh, God has changed our hearts, and now we bear fruit. Um, our new obedience is not so that he would love us more. Uh, you will never be more loved by God uh, than right now if you belong to Christ. But, by God's grace, over the course of your life, you will bear more fruit. Uh, there will be more obedience overflowing in love and service to others uh, there will be more turning away from sin and to Christ. And, of course, all empowered by the Spirit. We'll look at this in, in the section on sanctification, on perseverance. Uh, remember, the gospel brings us all the way home. And so we see uh, that it's really a life of repentance in our mind, in our heart, in our will. We go to Psalm 51, and, and we have a model then for saying, what does it look like to lay out my sins before God? And, of course, every week in worship, we we do the same. Um, but, but thinking of the mind, for instance, it, um, uh, the, the confession, actually, in chapter 15, I thought this was very pastoral and practical. It says, Men ought not to content themselves with general repentance, but it's every man's duty to endeavor to repent of his particular sins particularly. <laughs> That's harder, right? 
uh, and we should, we do come before God saying, I have sinned sort of in a, in a broad sense. There's things I'm not even aware of. But then it's good for us to specifically confess, you know, this week, Lord, I did this. I thought this. Um, and, and to confess that before him. And to do scary prayers like Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting or lead me in the ancient paths. That's a scary prayer. Uh, Often we're made aware of our sin painfully, uh, but that's the prayer of the Christian who wants to repent over their whole life. God, make me even aware and in the meantime, David will pray, forgive me my hidden faults, <laughs> which is amazing. It, it, his grace isn't dependent on the fact that I name that one particular sin. That there's many things I'm not aware of that he has grace over. But we, we long to bring these sins into the light where they can uh, die, as it were. It also involves our heart hating our sin more and more. Um, and uh, one of the Puritan authors I thought was really pastoral here to sort of balance this, that we, we grow in our hatred of our sin, um, and, and, and yet it's not necessarily calling for a certain, a certain emotive response that every Christian will have. So uh, uh, I think it was Thomas Vincent has this whole section on, uh, may we truly grieve for sin, though we do not weep physically for it. And perhaps he was reacting to something in his day that, oh, if you really have a sense of your sin, then every time you confess, there's going to be tears um, flowing from your eyes. He puts it this way. Uh, if we can readily weep for other things and cannot weep for sin, the truth of our grief is very questionable. There may be true and great grief of, for sin without tears in them that are of a dry constitution, that's a great, <laughs> and are not prone to weep upon any account. Uh, and as there may be in some many tears in the eye where there is no grief in the heart. So in others, there may be much grief in the heart where there are no tears in the eye. It's very pastoral. He's recognizing God's made us different. Some of us weep very readily, and that's how God made us. Uh, for some of us, that, that's not our constitution. Uh, so we shouldn't sort of think that we have to drum up a certain emotional response. And yet, he's saying, if you do readily weep for other things, uh, but sin just is one of those things that doesn't bug you, <laughs> uh, then certainly think of that and pray through that. So the heart, let's, let's end on this idea of the will, um, of repenting of, and, and, and I, I've heard some say, you know, be quick to repent. And, and I think as we go through the Christian life, we become quicker in repentance because we have a high view of his mercy so that even when we become aware of, of, of grievous sin, of, wow, how could I have done this, we, we rush to the throne of grace. We don't, more and more, we don't spend that time hiding and, and justifying. And we do, because this side of heaven, we're, we're never going to be perfect. But I think as the Christian life goes on, we're quicker to run to the throne of grace. Um, and you could even preach to yourself and say, yeah, you could hide for a while if you want. Um, he already knows. <laughs> and his mercy is waiting if you would just repent and come to him. And I think David and other psalmists model that for us. Um, you know, remind yourselves, again, chapter 15 of the Confession is extremely pastoral. It says, as there is no sin so small, but it deserves damnation, so there is no sin so great, 
that it could bring damnation upon those who truly repent. And it's a wonderful summary of, of, of the wonderful grace of God. And so all of this leads to new obedience, to new obedience, that the grace of God has appeared, as we've seen. It brings salvation, trains us to renounce ungodliness, makes us a people for his own possession, zealous for good of works. As we saw this morning, the, the necessity of the gospel, as surely as he makes us aware of our sin by opening our eyes by the Spirit, as surely as he shows himself to be, uh, uh, to be lovely, to be all, to be able, so that we run to him in faith, just as surely he continues to sanctify us, to continue to open our eyes, uh, to continue to empower us to die unto sin uh, and, and turn to Christ in newness of life. And so I pray for you and for me that we would see the fruit of that more and more uh, for his glory. Uh, God, we thank you uh, for teaching us. We, we thank you uh, for those here who have put their faith in Christ, that uh, you have given us, you have granted repentance to us by your grace. I pray now that we would live a life of repentance and faith. Uh, if there is sin in my heart or anyone's here that we've been hiding from, I pray that you would bring it to light. Um, and that we would have a true sense of that sin, and yet a, an apprehension of, of the great mercy and steadfast love of God, that we would be quick to run to the throne of grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.